0: This and every podcast is brought to you by Claypot, and Claypot is a restaurant, a Cantonese style restaurant in New York City. It's located at 58 St Mark's Place. Totally recommend you go check it out. It's owned and operated by one of my closest friends. I really consider him to be a brother of mine. And the mission statement of that establishment is really to just bridge the generational gap um, culturally through through food, and that's. That's in itself really beautiful. Uh, and also I've heard from another friend. This is not as uh, delicious or positive as food, but it needs to be said. And um, my friend is in Puerto Rico, and he's you know, brought to my attention that it's still suffering. Uh, the, the society is still suffering from the aftermath of the hurricane. And unfortunately, a lot of the links that you click on to donate money or to give the charities and stuff are hoaxes, unfortunately. And I mean, it's heartbreaking, obviously. But what he recommended we do is to really engage in tourism. So if you're thinking of taking a vacation, definitely think about Puerto Rico. Know that when you're going there and you're, you know, getting drunk and having cheer and eating good food and hanging out with your friends and family, that you're at least also pumping some money back into a society that, you know, really could use it. So definitely keep that in mind. Um, Do what you can to help. And this podcast is actually with my roommate and a very good friend Josh, and uh, what do we talk about? Wow, we—it's uh, a little bit all over the place, but I hope you enjoy it, and I think it hits some vein of meaning that you can take away from from this conversation. Hopefully, use that in your life.
1: taking millennials seriously because they say the word like or or have a certain speech pattern. It's the same as like if you're from an area and you you know, maybe you're struggling English isn't your first language and you're like struggling to articulate something in English that you understand in your native language mm-hmm. and then people sort of twisting that and being like, oh you don't really know what you're saying. Yeah. That's like that's something to watch out for, definitely. Well,
0: it's, it's definitely difficult when you don't have like the associations with certain words, right? Like, yeah. sometimes some words are synonyms, but one of them is, like, used pejoratively. You don't know that, and it gets confusing. But I, I definitely agree with you. So that's one of the things that I was trying to focus on, on, like, how to have a really good, meaningful conversation, is, like, I focused all of 2018 to just, like, shutting up <laughs> and just listening, because I, I had no idea that... I had no idea how to listen, because it's... You just end up butting ideas. It's like, oh, I think this. Oh, no, I think this. And, no, you're wrong, because this, this. It's not... Like, I kind of took a back seat on most of my conversations and kind of just like, all right, why do you think that? Uh, Okay, Mm -hmm. but what if it's like this? Do you think it's like this? Maybe it's like this, man. I don't know, man. I'm asking you. And it's just... It's a lot better. And you can feel the person, like, um, by doing that, I feel like I've been able to draw out more. And because they're forced to explain it more, they re-solidify their ideas, and maybe it, like, hashes away some of the dead wood. Maybe it, like, it conceptualizes itself in... And more of a, like a concrete idea, and they're like, oh, well, you know, I've been saying this all my life, but I actually didn't mean that, like I, once I actually talked it through, I actually meant this, you know, and that's oh, that's so cool, and that, I get so much out of that.
1: They're able, people are able to, um, solidify their ideas when they talk through them, and you're right, I, I think there are definitely a lot of people that have a hard time listening. Um, I... I I don't know if I I told you this, but this past week I was like, um, I walked into a Dunkin' Donuts uh, to just like, to just, because I was going somewhere and I I needed to get directions on my phone and I just like sat down. And I don't like texting Uh much. You you know that about me. I'm much more the person who likes to communicate with people face to face and I don't use my phone. I mean, I use my phone for what I need to use it for, but I'd rather talk to someone you know in person than than have a conversation through text but i happened to be responding to a text in this moment i sat down at a table and these two older gentlemen next to me just sort of greeted me like hey and i and i thought that he might have been talking to his friend and he goes hey and i like looked over and this guy with like longer gray hair and this like this like very pointed like it wasn't pointed, but it was very, like, uh, clean-lined, goatee, looking at me. And he goes, yeah, you were so busy looking at your phone, answering your text, you didn't even hear me saying that to you. And he he started, and I said, huh, that's, that's kind of funny. Hey, how's it going? And he and his friend went on for the next, essentially, ten minutes, telling me how... You know, kids these days, they're so involved in their phones that they don't see what's going on outside of them and, and they don't listen to each other anymore and people aren't able to communicate. And I was trying to listen to what this guy had to say and every time I started to respond to a question that he asked me, he would tell me what I was thinking and continue to to like tell me why the way I was living my life was wrong. And it was like that's interesting. And I would hear, I, he, he would make a point of like, you know, your, your, these iPhones are, are so dangerous and they're, they're just only designed to uh, last a year. That phone, you probably got it this year and you're going to need to get a new one next year. And I said, yeah, actually, that's interesting. A, f- uh, a few weeks ago, my f- I was going to tell him about how, you know, whatever yeah, your phone, phone is phone, always totally <laughs> fucked up. And like, I had to like trade it into Apple and like had this whole problem and I was going to share with him about apparently that there's this like series of iPhones that, um, was had a malfunction and um, they had to replace a bunch of them, and how I'm now working with an iPhone six, but he was so concerned with telling me why my new iPhone ten was like my, the problem with my generation, and he's talking to someone who I love interacting and engaging, and I tried to shut up and listen, and they literally didn't stop talking for like twenty minutes, and I and 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 I at this point I was literally just being attacked, and his friend was just like. And I bet you you don't know what the first uh, touchscreen phone was. And I said, well, actually, my father had a Palm Pilot back then. I helped create the Palm Pilot. and Oh, and God. It was, it, it was just, like, very obviously disillusioned older generation that, like, saw... They were able to turn me into, like, the straw man of what their problem with, with, millennials. with millennials was. And I... It didn't matter what I was actually that I was listening to them and that I wanted to engage with them. They were just pinning all of their issues on me and at one point I was like, "I'm sorry you feel that way. I would love to hear more about this, but I've got somewhere I need to be right now and I do need to uh, texting is useful for communicating with people who are in a situation where they necessarily can't talk on the phone and unfortunately I've got to go meet some friends right now, but it was it was good hearing you and I it could tell that they wanted to be heard and I tried to give that to them, but yeah. they just they were so intent on on reducing whatever... It didn't matter what my actual experience was it, was. it was... They were going to reduce me into this idea of what a millennial is. Yeah. And that's the way the conversation was going to go. Yeah. It was, and, it, and they were lecturing me about listening. <laughs> and it was like, wow, this is really interesting. <laughs> this is really interesting.
0: Yeah. Uh, but no, that's, that's definitely like what we had talked about before. It definitely realigns with that how long... It's dangerous to see people as caricatures of some aspect of their identity, whether that's yeah. their job or whether that's their age or whether that's their race. Even, you know, it's just like if you see somebody and you think, oh, well, I got you figured out. I got you boxed in. And mm-hmm. I think that's that's so unbelievably wrong. <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> it's so unbelievably wrong. I think that's why questions are a lot more useful. Oh, yeah. Than like statements like, For oh, sure. you do this because, oh,
0: fuck that. Yeah. It's, it's or, a lot more useful. Why do you do this? Yeah. You know? Um, or why do you think that is? That's the big question. Yeah. And that's a hard one. I think the biggest questions that I've been asking why myself. Why do you
1: do the things you do? Yeah, yeah. Why? Why
0: does this happen? And then when you understand why, it's what can be done about it. Yeah. That's the big one. You know? Especially <laughs> when you, like, just, like, Yeah, threat. it feels yeah. like rock bottom almost. Yeah. It feels
1: like oh, you've, when you've hit bedrock. It's like, what do you do about that? And it's just like, oh, this is the way it
0: is. We're just going to
1: That's nihilism, <laughs> man. That's nihilism.
0: <laughs> that's oh. rough. I think that's, that's the big, like, for me, that's the life-changing question is what can be done about it? Because it's, it's the only question that asks, like, when you're faced at that wall or at that, like, rock bottom, mm-hmm. that implies you can do something about it. Yeah. Right? It, it kind of empowers you in a way. Yeah. It's like, what can you do about it? Oh, life is, like, tragic. What can you do about it? Yeah. What areas can you fix? all oh, this yeah so questions are definitely way more important than answers wow that's i never thought i would say that <laughs> that's wild <laughs> um yeah, there's just a lot going on in my yeah. head man yeah that's good. but everything's hear. everything feels like it's coming together and we're still relatively young we're still trying to figure out what to do yeah
1: well you know we've reached the the bedrock within ourselves in, <laughs> in theory maybe in theory. There's, there's there's probably still more to go But it's like, how, how does, after you've (laughs) descended to the underworld and started to come back up, like, how do you bring, how do you bring that to the rest of the world? I mean, that's what we've been talking about. Like, and that's what you want to do with podcasts, right? That's what you want to do with, like, creating this conversation when people are able to listen.
0: And that's what you would love to do through storytelling. storytelling. I wouldn't even say acting. I would say story.
1: It is for, acting is the selfish version of it. Acting is the, like... I get to experience it, mm-hmm. and I love experiencing it, but I think the reason why I love dungeon Mastering so much is because I kind of force other people to encounter themselves in a way that is out of the ordinary for a lot of people for actors it's pretty, pretty ordinary, ordinary. <laughs> it's pretty much like doing an improvisation and like taking action, but a lot of people, like you were were like we were saying earlier, a lot of people tend to live their lives in a passive mode in a very like it's passive nihilism, dude. Yeah, oh, but, yikes! But it it's it it does force a little bit of a call to action, and it's not in a way that's aggressive, but in a way that is inviting, that's exciting. That mm-hmm. like this is a we are participating in an, advent, in an adventure here, and but the only way that you take it is if you take the steps. It's yeah. like you choose to engage. You know, if you choose to. Um, You know you're presented with a cave in front of you if you want to like dive to the bottom of the pool at the bottom or if you're gonna like try to interpret the some like hieroglyphs on a wall or or like take a torch and like go into the and like look around the the like the corners of the dungeons to try to find something that you didn't see before necessarily i mean it it it, it forces you to um to be creative and like and come up with solutions and, and that's the what can be done about it it's like try and that, that's what we do a lot in, in studio classes is we in acting and like you know where we take risks you, you're always told to take big risks like fail but fail big like do just do something you know what i mean it's mm-hmm. e- so easy to just like read text off of a piece of paper but all you're doing is reading text off of a piece of paper when you're a human being in this heightened scenario that is drama, that is a story. Because, you know, we don't make stories about stasis, about the things staying the same. We make stories about change. people or times of great change. Um, and the stakes are usually, when it's good, It's usually like life and death. <laughs> um, and we want to see people doing something and not just like sitting in the same spot and not changing at all. And so that's why it's, you know, try something big. And not necessarily like, you know, if you're on on screen, the intent is big. yeah The, the, you know, actual execution might be more precise and more internal. But what it is you're trying to do is still... um, It has to be very important to you. And it has to, you know, taking action... And trying out different actions. We, there's, this, there's this book um, called Actions, an Actors, Thes- an Actors Thesaurus. And it's literally just a list of verbs. And the idea is to, let's say the line I have is. Let's say my line is. Um, excuse me, you were being nice to me. So my line is: Excuse me, you are being nice to me. There is a series of verbs: say to accuse, to to um, to punch, to to paint, to glorify, to mystify, to enrage, to empower, to dig at someone. And what essentially this this does is we try to imbue this line of text excuse me, you were being nice to me with an action that feels appropriate to what it is this character is doing to the other person in this moment. And these verbs always have to be transitive. So, I Josh, blank this verb, you, Stefan. So I am doing what to you. I am empowering you. I am subverting you. I am cutting you. I am I am uh, uh, drawing you in. All of these things that are trying to elicit an actual combination of a physical. But it's more than physical. It's an energy. It's about the energy of what you are doing to the other person. And then what the other person does in response to you is their action. And you want to do this in a way that feels both like organic and human. And also is enough to get the other person to respond. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like that sort of like that tennising back and forth of energy. And when I do that as an actor, I love doing that. That's my selfish version of playing that. <laughs> um, that, that give and take of life force. Um, but D&D is kind of like my way of creating a world for people to do that for each other. And what I, what I do as a good dungeon master... Is create situations in which I can draw out strong, powerful re- empowering, I would say. I want mm-hmm. to empower my players. If I'm giving if I'm doing an action as a DM, I am empowering my players to take action in my world. Wow. Um Yeah. That's yeah. loaded.
0: That's a lot of responsibility in your verbs. <laughs> yeah. But that's yeah, I totally get that. And I, I would even argue that at least my experience i mean obviously i don't play dungeons and dragons that much but that like some people are more willing to take action in the game than in real life and that's
1: D is being used oh a lot God. in in like in um in therapy for children with anxiety with social anxiety oh that's fascinating it's because it, it is an inherent social game you know you're at the table with people and your dungeon master. You're you're gonna have to talk to people. You're gonna have to engage, and you don't necessarily have to respond in character and say, "My name is Petronius Lionheart the Third, and I am an orc paladin, and I am here at this village to inquire about a missing person. Have you seen the villi- You know the, the blacksmith's daughter. You, know, you you don't have to do that. <laughs> but you can be like, I go up to the uh the innkeeper and I ask if he's seen the blacksmith's daughter anywhere. That's you." Taking action. Yeah. And then the person will respond. Over time you might get more comfortable with that. And you might say, I was wondering, you don't have to do a stupid character voice, because not everyone is comfortable doing that. But <laughs> um but you might say, I I wanted to know if you've seen the blacksmith's daughter anywhere. You know, roll a roll a persuasion check or whatever, but but it's still over time you get used to these they're, they're simulated interactions, but then yeah. you have to actually cooperate with your players at the table because you're all a part of the group you're all a part of the party and the party is the most important thing with the party you, you know there's a reason why you know, you know don't split the party yeah. is a really common thing to say that being said it can create for some really interesting narrative um, but it that's only after the party is well established mm-hmm. you know what I mean splitting the party only has an, like a serious effect if the party is that. It needs to be a group first. It needs to be a, a team effort so that when it is split, it's a little bit different and that dynamic. You could play with that like split team, mm-hmm. which makes for a good narrative, um, it, which is how we learn.
0: That's yeah.
1: how, I say I. That's how I learn. That's I true. learn through narrative. I learn through storytelling and through narrative.
0: Well, I definitely think everybody has some kind of utility out of
1: storytelling. Yeah. I, I think people do get different things from it, though. I think for some people, a story is more about the moral. For some people, it's more about the character. For some people, it's more about the world in which it takes place. And what do you get out of it? I think I appreciate all of those to some degree. Oh, that's awesome! I mean,
0: <laughs> I was hoping for that answer because
1: <laughs> the personal is really important to me. You know, yeah, that's what I think. That's the actor part of me, is the like the the human journey. Um, that's the part of me that, like, is a romantic and, like, loves people, you know? Um, Which I don't want to get all sappy right now. No, that's awesome. But you you can see where that's, like, happening in my life right now. Like, that's in the good friendships that I have with you, and, like, (laughs) um, but, like, just good, genuine connections with people. People, Yeah. Well, it, it definitely feels like
0: you've definitely, over the last, like, two, three months, I feel like you've definitely, like, kind of like nested yourself in this like really um high resonating kind of like like you just seem like you're in your flow state you know for like the past few months like everything kind of like clicked and like locked in together and yeah sure there's some obstacles that pop up or something that like um like you thought you wanted to do but maybe you don't want to do you know like there's a lot of uh internal kind of decisions and, and struggles but it's like okay I've, I've ridden this way before I've done this kind of journey to the underground, uh, to like the underworld, I can, I can handle this, right? Yeah. Like you can, like yeah. you know there's more coming, right? It's because yeah. ultimately it's Sisyphus, right? It's up yeah. and down, up and down. Always. But that's, interestingly enough, I don't think Sisyphus is necessarily like going to be a, a zigzag like this, where it's like an M shape, but it's more of a ladder. Yeah, yeah. And ladder, and that's that's where you piece yourself together and become greater than you are now. So I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited, yes. Spiral. Spiral, I think.
1: I think for me, it's a spiral. Uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of the times I'll encounter the same problems, like you know. So, if, I mean, this won't work on the, the, the podcast, but the visual the medium. Yeah. So, let's say you know, there's the pillar of life, mm-hmm. and I start at the bottom, and I'm working my way up towards something, and yeah, so you're I wrapping around here. the pillar. I have a problem here, and I encounter the same problem here that I encountered down here, but my eye have more experience now mm-hmm. i'm better equipped to deal with it so i might be encountering similar things however i i am i'm at a different place in my journey upwards if i'm on a journey upwards there is there's such a thing as a downward spiral yeah but um, no but i think that's important but,
0: that you pointed that out that there is like an upward spiral that people yeah. don't often talk about yeah and it's it's totally a real thing it's man it's like when when you like suck shit at at starting a new sport or a hobby or or craft or something. And like suddenly it like clicks and you like make your first milestone. You're Mm -hmm. like, yeah, look at all the hard work I put in. Look at, this is my 200 hours of my dues.
1: I think, Oh, where do you see that? Where do you see that spiral? Like that image take, um, like take effect in, in in like modern modern culture, do you think that that image is present like an upward spiral? Yeah, I'm thinking about what's the name of the the staff that's like medi- like the medical staff with the like to the, the oh snakes. the two serpents. Yeah, do I know don't know, know if that's what that is? I don't know if it's that. I don't think that's
0: necessarily spiraling up. Is that like a
1: stairway to heaven? Is that is that like a it could be like an ascent into the clouds kind of thing. Maybe. A tower? What is that? What is that? What is that? (laughs) You're so interested in that. In towers. Towers are phallic as
0: fuck. (laughs) Yeah, they are. (laughs) I mean, we we erect pillars, right? (laughs) It's not really a hidden thing. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Yeah. It's like Game of Thrones. Maybe it is all just about dicks.
1: (laughs) What is the, what is the, like, the architectural vagina? Is it like a cove, a cave, kind of like a like an inner sanctum sort of thing? Maybe. Hmm. Like a bowl, concave, convex. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely worth it. definitely worth thinking about.
0: Yeah, I'm very interested to see how there's hmm. going to be more of the. A...
1: Feminine. Tradition. Auditoriums are uh, not necessarily shaped like a vagina, but are <laughs> but are crevices essentially, mm-hmm. you know. They're like this you know, and the Greeks had their 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 theaters, their seats were like built into the sides of a, a, a hill, a mountain. Yeah. And then the, the stage, the playing space, um, is there at the bottom. You know, you're looking down upon it. I don't know. I think that's more of a focus thing, though. Yeah, right? that's true. It's like
0: gearing your attention
1: towards. It's like a circle too. It's a. It's like a. Well,
0: it could be you know either half right or it could be yeah. like a full circle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aimed towards a specific platform, but I mean that's that's still standard I'm now. I'm thinking
1: of I'm thinking of you know memorials too that are inlaid into the ground. The nine eleven memorial. Have you seen that? I think I have. In I don't... New York. It's a giant like square like rectangular hole mm. in the ground this like water i think playing over the sides i don't want to i don't want to say the i don't want to say like and describe it in the wrong way but i'm yeah. pretty sure that there's water if i remember correctly that like cascades down the sides and it's this deep like black obsidian um it's a, it's it's a striking image it's like it's very it's anti it's the lack of you know it's playing with um something that isn't there, but very clearly isn't there. Like yeah. negative space. Um, it's kinda it's it's crazy.
0: Is it obsidian? Is it
1: actually obsidian? I don't know or... if it's obsidian, but it's it's reflective black material.
0: Yeah. Because you know like obsidian is like the uh, volcanic rock. And that's oh, giantly associated know. with I don't the... know if it's obsidian. I
1: would say it's like that th- that sort of color.
0: Okay. Hmm.
1: Wow that's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Negative space. Although, I don't know if that's right, because if we're talking about pillars are penises. (laughs) Pillars are penises. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, I don't know.
0: Yeah, that was quite a rabbit hole. (laughs) Yeah. But it's, I don't know, I like... like More negative space. Yeah. Rabbit hole. More (laughs) negative
1: space. (laughs) Yeah, rabbit holes are negative space. Rabbit holes are kind of like, down the rabbit hole. That's interesting. Yeah. Was Down the Rabbit Hole a thing before Alice in Wonderland? That's
0: what I was wondering, too. Yeah, I was thinking about that. I'm not sure. Or maybe it was something it else. Because it leads so... to another world. It does. It's
1: essentially, a, it's a portal to another And it's unassuming. That's the other thing.
0: It's not like a giant yeah. vortex. It's something, it's a rabbit hole.
1: Well, it's, fi- oh, finding the otherworldly in the mundane world. I mean, that's Ooh. what Lion, Witch, of is, right? They're pr- transported to a new world. That's what Alice is. She just, like, falls down, and then suddenly she's there. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's usually in nature in some way, though. You know Dante's Inferno; he's wandering in the woods and he finds himself lost in the woods. You know, I don't okay. know. I'm just
0: thinking over to Garden Walls. It's so, good. <laughs> it's so good! It's so like, good.
1: It's like it is absolutely the modern Dante's cause Inferno because you don't need you don't need to know that it's the Inferno for that show to be impactful. Like yeah. I showed it to to uh, my friend, yeah, um, and. She loved it, and she didn't get the symbolism at first. And it took, and I like, I I had her finish it, and I was like, "Remind you of anything?" She's like, "No," I, I, but it, but it was really cool, and and I was like, "Have you ever read the Inferno?" And she's like, "And I saw it happen on her face." Oh man, the clay was. <laughs> it was. It was. Oh, I love those moments. I love. Oh man, I love. Not giving, but like introducing people, you know yeah, I love giving people like experiences that feel useful and beneficial and like help to like help them on the journey that they're on. Yeah. You know, that feels really, that's a great feeling to like show, show a person a movie or, or introduce them to a, like an, an idea that you're reading about or, or engage in a story with them that, they can get really excited about because it's, it, per, it pertains to what they're doing in their life at that moment. So yeah, with, that's a good the, story. The journey that they're on.
0: It's something that's like common across all people that we just kind yeah. of understand.
1: But it feels, doesn't it feel good to like share <laughs> good stories with people, yeah, man?
0: I don't know. Stories are always good. Either whether you're, you're delivering it or whether you're on the receiving end, it's, it's always a good experience.
1: Yeah. The Unless, story,
0: as the storyteller, I certainly
1: learn a lot. Well, what do you learn out of through the story? Yeah. Well, so. cuz when you're cuz when you're so when you're working on a play for a certain amount of time, you really get to explore the world of it and like what it means to inhabit this person and you learn about other people and yourself by learning about what this person is going through. Cuz usually you you know you have to undertake these large experiences. Like I just played a, a man who left his a very, very religious man very close to God and you know he was a, a Hasidic Jew so very, his faith is extremely and his culture is extremely important to him mm-hmm. and his family is extremely important to him and he left his home village in this you know country in Eastern Europe because his people were facing persecution and there's not a lot of context of what act like why Mr. Marx came to New York but it's for I know it's for his family Mm -hmm. and I was able to come up with this essentially backstory for myself that motivated most of what I was doing and so in the interaction that is written into the play which is this strong tension between this like obvious love for this African American woman Esther and the the tragedy that you know he's he is it is his duty to his family and to his way of life that he is going to marry this woman that is back in his home country. Mm -hmm. But it's he's an artist as well. He has this beautiful appreciation for fabric. And what he does is he like finds fabric um, and he and he connects to the the texture and and the, the make of these things. And he provides them to Esther, who is this woman who comes to his fabric shop because she's a seamstress. And what she does is she turns this material into beautiful, beautiful, essentially, the place called intimate apparel. She turns it into intimate apparel, you know, lingerie, essentially, for women. Um, And he's not able, as a a Hasidic Jewish man, he's not able to touch someone, like, uh, a woman that is not his wife or his relative. Mm Mm-hmm but the way he connects intimately with Esther is that they both experience this fabric that they both like touch and feel like the delicacy and the intricacy and the 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 detail of the thing that he loves and appreciates and that he gives to her that she turns into art essentially yeah and i learned a lot about the ways in which I intimately connect to other people through basically living this other man's life. And I mean, and when you're, when you're for me, I'll say for I, or I'll say I, because I don't want to put my experience as an actor on other people. What I do when I play a character is I need to find, there are obviously going to be some differences. I'm, you know, I'm not 35. This man's supposed to be 35. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not from Romania, but I can find similarities to him and really find those what those similarities are. And then in the ways that I'm different, how different is that? do Because I can understand and understand an abstraction of that mm-hmm. and use that abstraction to connect it to my life because there's an abstraction like that abstraction of, you know, moving from a land that is not your own into a new place where you don't understand the language initially or or necessarily the way of life, you know, I've never moved from another country, but I certainly did move from a small town to a city. And I went from a place that had, you know, where I was... <laughs> one of the largest minorities because I was half-Jewish in <laughs> high school. Um, to, play, to a place... Crazy, right? Isn't that wild? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to a place where there's people from more different walks of life and and like you can relate things and as a result of exploring that, what it means to be that person over an extended amount of time and living these very like um, high stakes moments in their life, night after night after night and like doing these activities that explore how they walk, how they breathe, how they live in the world what their, like different ways to respond to the people in their lives in different ways that like you stretch your capability for humanity, essentially.
0: Yeah, it sounds like you're, it's definitely all you do is all you do is exercise the ability to like really sink and um, ingratiate yourself into like that role or that character. And yeah, really
1: and so as a result, you become I I become a vaster human. I I realize what I am capable of, like the extremes of what I am capable of. Yes, that's yeah. self discovery, man. Yeah, it's. <laughs> Awesome. That's, that's why. So that's, fun. Not, that's why it's so. I mean, it can be really rewarding.
0: It's also terrifying. Yeah. Because there's definitely some aspects that you
1: reach here, like oh god, oh I could do this. <laughs> there are plays that are really hard to do. Uh, um, but then there are also some actors who just like throwing on a costume and like you know singing a song, and that's fine too. That's teach their own. Yeah. <laughs> but not for you. I think it should all serve each other. I think you know, I'm not there are a lot of people who are in like acting programs who will look at musical theater and think like, "Oh, that's shallow." I think that's an absolute mistake. I think musical theater, the the music in a good musical is is, you know, used to express something that can't necessarily be said in just words. It's like you need so badly to communicate something out of that experiences in that in that moment that text can't do it anymore and music, you know, it's so it's such an ex welling up of extreme uh
0: content. I, I know what you mean. Yeah. It's like some kind of like um It's like that abstraction that's like really difficult to like articulate in the world that can't really be done outside yeah. of music because music is just one of those weird things that I would argue gives people a religious experience yeah
1: you know what music makes me think of music makes me think of the the dragon that like lives underneath the world like in the chaos mm-hmm. that gives birth to everything like the energy of the universe the, like the fountain that like provides inspiration into the world there's a there's a, oh, there's a word for that in the hero's journey I think it's the world naval world naval. I think it's the world naval it's like the it's like the point from which all, like, energy, like, spouts from. It's like pure chaos. Yeah. But, but it can, that's what music makes me think of. Because it's, I mean, it is form. Yeah. But it's there is so, it's so true. But it's like, no one can, I don't know if anyone can say it. I'm not, I certainly couldn't say it. <laughs> you can say what it evokes for you. Yeah. but it evokes good music evokes something from people and it can evoke different things I don't know that's just that's incredible
0: I know I love music I I put music as like one of the top if not the top forms of art just cause yeah. it, it like you said it does have like that chaotic element to it yeah where it's um
1: it's close to the primordial you know what I mean yeah it's close to the Dionysian, it's less of the Apollonian. Well, I mean, you, I need, the, so. you need the Perfect Apollonian, harmony. you need the form to create it, but what it evokes is like pure, oftentimes, like energy, yeah, you know, yeah, <laughs> visceral cool. energy, whether that's good or bad, but like strong, strong things, yeah. Whereas sometimes I'll watch a movie that's like, oh, that was cool, oh, that was cool, or, or looking at art. <laughs> piece of art I mean I guess I guess ideally any story any art does does that Mm -hmm. uses form to evoke content from the viewer